it's Wednesday, 22nd of February 2023. Welcome to Popcorn for One, your fortnightly film podcast. However, this is the special BAFTA episode, so it's only been a week. Hope you've all had a good week, people. Hope you've had a lovely time. Hope it's all gone well. And yeah, I hope you're all right. So, this episode is completely all over the place. I know, what's the difference there? (laughs) But yeah, this is what's happening. We are going to talk about some news that's happened in the last week, which broke a few hearts, which I found out while I was at the cinema first. Um, Then we are going to talk about what I've been watching. Then, um, I mentioned this in the last episode, we're going to do a rundown of films that I watched about five years ago from 2018, because we didn't have podcasts, we didn't have a huge following then, um, and my writing's obviously got much better, so we just go through that for a little bit. Then we're going to look at what you've all been watching at home and at the cinema. Then we're going to have our BAFTA chat, and then we are going to do this week's big review um, if you're here for The Last of Us, we are not talking that. We're waiting until that happens. Um, we will also wait to do Mando when we get to that point. When we get to that point. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's going to be what happens this week. And yeah, let's crack on and let's talk some movies. Before we start anything this episode... I would like to talk about the legend that is Bruce Willis. It's sad. I didn't know. I was at the cinema and I was watching an emotional film and I cried and I left and I got to my car and I plugged my phone in for the diversion on my route home and WhatsApp came up and it just sent a message from my sister going, Bruce Willis. Oh, God. So I straight away went onto Twitter just to check. And... <sighs> I mean, he's not dead. Um, but that hurt. That really hurt. Um, for those of you who haven't listened for ages or didn't listen to it or hasn't listened to any of the Christmassy podcasts before... Um, I asked my parents if I could watch Die Hard Aged 8, which they did, and they spoiled it for me, and it's still one of the greatest films of all time, in my opinion. It's perfect, and Bruce Willis is brilliant in it, and Bruce Willis is just a bit of a legend. He's never taken himself that seriously. He's always just been that cool guy that just gets on with it, and okay, in recent years, he's made some lesser films, and it's been a bit like, oh, okay, Bruce is doing this by numbers, and he's ended up in that category, but... We can understand why now. We, it just hurts, and the version that he's got of this dementia is the one that's quite aggressive. And you know he's not that much older than my parents, and he's relatively active and a adventurous guy, and you just. I watched my grandpa go through dementia. And that really hurt. And that ruined us all. So I can only think what it's like for them. Because I know how hard it was for all of us. And I just want him to be okay. 
I really do. I've said this a lot about a few people recently that are famous and just like, I hope they're happy. I hope they know what's going on. I hope that, you know, deep down they're all right. And I want that for Bruce. Depending on how long this takes, I want him to be extremely happy and extremely comfortable and to be surrounded by everyone he loves and to make as many memories for them as possible. Because he'll try and make them for himself, don't worry, but it's whether he will actually then remember them. (sighs) Yeah, yeah, that really hurt on Thursday night. That was not a nice thing to read and it after watching a quite emotional film it was also quite oh. yeah that that was a punch to the gut definitely bruce you're not going to listen to us but we love you we support you and we wish you and your family all the best as you try to navigate this it's going to be hard and it's not going to be the best experience it, that's the understatement of the century but Bloody love you, Bruce Willis. Thank you. Thank you for making eight-year-old me go, ooh. Because, yeah, I think without eight-year-old me asking for that, I'm not here doing this podcast 100%. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. Time to go through what I've been watching in the last week. Yeah, because it's a weekly episode, we're only doing one week. Because we've got the BAFTA special. So one, two, three, four, five, six. Six films. Not bad. Not bad at all. I'm impressed. Oh. And obviously one of them's going to be a big review. So this might take long. So I started off on the Monday at my parents watching the football. Thank God The Last of Us was on the following week. Oh, should actually say, as usual, there will be no discussion of The Last of Us until The Last of Us is done. My bad. Forgot to say that at the start. Ah. So anyhow, yeah, because that was on Saturday um, due to the Super Bowl. Um, on the Monday, I was at my parents to watch the football, which was quite nice to watch Liverpool-Everton, which we won. Finally, we won a game of football. And they have Sky Cinema, and I was sitting there, and I was flicking through it. I was like, oh, they've got this, and they've got that, and da 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 And they have a Bourne Identity. I love the Jason Bourne films. It's probably why I love so many action films and everything else like that. Um, but it was... It was still cool. It also freaked me out that it's now over 20 years old. That was like, no, I can't be dealing with that. No, 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 Matt Damon was so young. And it also explained why I had those chunky highlights for most of my teenage years because I basically wanted to be Marie and Nikki. <laughs> and it was so cool. But the coolest thing about it is that car chase. That car chase now does look a little bit dated. I will say that. However, that car chase changed cinema because it was the shaky cam and the stuff going everywhere and it made suddenly action films look much more cooler with the score and that you could do it in actual real setting and not just somewhere exotic you know you could do it in a big city however that and jack bauer in 24 changed bond for the worse i know that bond needed a reboot anyhow but it made bond know that it had to be a smooth sophisticated piece of art and not just be a Bond film, which is a shame. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Daniel Craig's Bond films. I'm not moaning about them. But it would have been much better for a few more bits that were more tongue-in-cheek linked to Bond than that. But no, I love the Bond films. I love the Bond identity. And I sat around watching it. I was like, why didn't I pick Bond to watch as my binge? So I think that might be it. Once we've done Bond, we move on to Bourne. 
Hmm. Well, I should probably do the Hunger Games again. Anyhow, um, Tuesday, I had the opportunity to go and see an advanced preview, which was a lovey-dovey romantic film. I was like, I'm not going to see that on Valentine's Day. It used to be that on Valentine's Day, I used to watch a horror film with my friends, and they've all got boyfriends or girlfriends, and they all just were busy and were like, no, we can't do anything on Tuesday night. And it was a Tuesday. I mean, ah. <laughs> So I sat there and I was like, well, who can I spend the evening with? Could I watch a horror film? Should I watch more Bond? What should I do? I decided to spend my Valentine's evening with Dave York in The Equalizer. And you don't want to know how many times I rewound something. Or two scenes. Yep. Um, but we're going to save that because the Dave York podcast, it will happen. It might be a one-off episode where we literally just sit and talk about Pedro Pascal and Dave York and his characters. But it will definitely be that we talk about the Equalizer 2 quite a bit. So we're going to leave that there because that will happen soon. The following day, I took one of my girlfriends to go and see Magic Mike, The Last Dance, which was like, okay, yeah, yeah. It was actually quite like, oh, this is this and that's that. And mainly because when the last one came out, I took them. And one of them had just given birth and one of them was pregnant with their first child. And I was like take you to see that you know you're hormonal you both need this we'll have a girly night out you can both let your hair down we'll do that so this time it was to take them both one of them didn't actually come with us but we went and watched it and i sat there and i watched that opening dance i was like oh my god and then i watched the final dance and i was like help help and my friend was like damn oh my god yeah it was like ah. yeah she had oh, she had a good time i had a good time as well you don't go and see magic mike for a plot um it was nice that we had four row in it from the first two even if it was for a brief moment um but seeing channing tatum dance in the rain always something that you want to do 100 percent the next film's my big review i watched the sun at an advanced preview um and that's what i'm gonna say about it uh, then I, on the Friday night, we watched Tom Hiddleston comic con interviews and that was quite fun and like this and that and it was, it was fun. It wasn't quite a TV show. Everyone was a bit tired though. So also next week there isn't going to be any, um, Tom Hiddleston Friday nights, uh, mainly because, and we're a bit, we're a bit gutted about this. We applied for tickets for Graham Norton, our little group, um, to try and get, uh tickets to go and see pedro um we failed we're very sorry um we did everything in our power we, we people are going to be staying here <laughs> yeah that was how far it got down the rabbit hole for planning um but we didn't get them and we decided not to apply for the standby because you have to go and hope and then if you don't get in you've spent a whole day queuing up in london for no reason you've not actually done anything so we decided not to so that's that um so on the Saturday, I was sitting here, I was going through various different streaming services, and I was like, I want something that I've watched before, but I've not seen for donkey's years. So I can concentrate, but not concentrate. Disney Plus had Pearl Harbor, and I got home at about nine. So I was like, that finishes at about 12. That's perfect. So I watched Pearl Harbor. We watched it at school when I was about 12. It wasn't anything to do with history. We just watched it because I think the teacher wanted us to watch it. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 fine, that's cool. Um, but it's really weird. Ben Affleck's not a good actor, neither's Josh Hart. I can't believe we're all fangirling over both of them. Um, it's a Michael Bay film. There's no doubt that that's a Michael Bay film, 100%. But 
oh no there's bits in it which are just oh i know it was not very nice but it's not a very well made film i know why they made it and i know why it was that long because they wanted to put the love story in but it's just like you know it was an in thing in the 90s to take an actual real event and put in all of the people within it. So that's what they did. I'm glad I watched it. I won't be watching it again. My review of it is going to be quite painful. It's really going to be quite painful. And then on Saturday, Sunday morning, I got up, stupidly, um, because I knew I was going to watch the BAFTAs in the evening. And I went and saw Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which I completely forgot was out. Until I went to go and see Magic Mike and saw the trailer for it. Because I hadn't seen many Ant-Man trailers. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Ah. So I then looked at looked, watching it on Friday and didn't actually go. Um, and then someone else said, I'm going to see Ant-Man. I was like, ah, best bit up. So I went to go and see the 1040 show in, in Screen X with the additional extended scene screens. It was fun. It did a lot of setting up. Um, it missed Louis. Um, it's got two credit scenes. Uh, the second one made me gasp because I'd muted it from a little while ago and I was like, oh, God. Um, and, yeah, it. I wanted it to be funnier. I wanted to laugh more. Um, there's a couple of things that I can't actually mention because it spoils certain things that I didn't know about, which was like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 I get that. Yeah, that's good. There was a lot of exposition to get Phase 5 going. And I kind of feel a bit sorry for Paul Rudd because as much as there were bits that were funny and were good by him, he is a comedic actor, but he had to basically start off phase five and do a transition for that, which there's <sighs> a lot of pressure, I guess, but it's still just like... <laughs> Ant-Man is a good part of the MCU, but he needs to be treated better. Does that make sense? That's what I feel. That Paul Rudd's not had the best crack of a whip of being Ant-Man. Um, when he has turned up at certain points, he's been important. But other times he's been a bit like an afterthought. Like, oh, we need to move this on. We should do an Ant-Man film now. Or, oh, we need to introduce this. We'll do an Ant-Man film now. So it's always been to do with that. And I feel a bit sorry for him like that. It's not the worst Marvel film. But it's back to the conversation content over quality at the moment, Disney. Hmm. You know. Still waiting for an announcement of when Secret Invasion is happening as well. Yeah. So that's what I watched because I didn't watch a film after I watched the BAFTAs because I was doing something on The Sims that my friends wanted me to do and they're obsessed with it. So yeah, that's what I've watched. Um, I hope you're all going to enjoy The Sun when I talk about it in a minute because I'm really looking forward to having a chat about it. But yeah, that's what I've watched. I hope there's something there that you find interesting. So if you are a regular listener, I know there's about 20 of you. Thank you. Um, you know, you heard me last week talk about going back through some stuff in 2018 and being like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe we should look back back. And I thought about it, and this is a short episode, and I thought, you know what? Yeah, I will. I will look back on 2018. It is five years ago now. Um, it was the first time that I properly wrote mini reviews for stuff and wrote a hit list properly. There was 31 in total, not 32. Um, and I really took everything very, very seriously and started to actually be like, okay, this is, this is more than just me going, oh, I want to watch films, this is me talking about it. So that is what we're going to do. We're going to go through my 2018 watch list and what I thought of everything, and we're going to do that. Um, 
so yeah, as this is a shorter episode, it makes sense to add something a bit different. I mean, I don't know how long I'm going to talk about BAFTAs for because I'm actually recording this before BAFTAs, but I just thought it'd be something very interesting to do and chat about. Yeah. So out of the 2018 wished, wish list, hit list that I wrote, there was four films that I didn't watch during that year. They were Mute, Fighting With My Family, Permission, and X-Men Dark Phoenix. Mute was in my top five films for the year to watch. Um, and I only watched it, it within the last two years. Uh, but it came out on Netflix and didn't have Netflix at the time. Fighting with my family and X-Men Dark Phoenix didn't come out until the following year. And I've still never seen Permission. Which is interesting. I'm still not actually sure where to find it. So that's that. Um, the top ten for that year on the hit list were at ten, Downsizing. Nine, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Eight, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Seven, Early Man. Six, Black Panther. Five, Mute. Four, The Incredibles 2. Three, The Avengers Infinity War. Two, Tomb Raider. And number one, Holmes and Watson. Ooh, yeah, that's interesting to see how that went down, isn't it? <laughs> so, what happened? What happened in that year? What did I do? What did I watch? There was a lot of films in total that year. Let's actually get to that page. 80. Watched 80 films that year at the cinema. That's pretty darn good. I have to say. It really was. So this is what I watched. I watched The Greatest Showman. All the Money in the World. Molly's Game. The Darkest Hour. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. The Last Jedi. Coco. The Post. Downsizing. Den of Thieves. The Maze Runner Death Cure. Early Man. Shape of Water. Black Panther. Phantom Thread. The Mercy. Call Me By Your Name. Ladybird. I, Tonya. The Greatest Sherman Singalong Version. Red Sparrow. Game Night. Tomb Raider, Peter Rabbit, A Wrinkle in Time, Isle of Dogs, Love, Simon, Ready Player One, Rampage, Rampage, yep, Rampage, The Leisure Seeker, Infinity War, times two, I Feel Pretty, Sherlock Gnomes, Deadpool 2, A Quiet Place, Solo, Book Club, Fallen Kingdom, Jurassic World, Ocean's Eight, the Happy Prince, Adrift, Patrick, Tag, Skyscraper, The Incredibles 2, Times 2, Mamma Mia, Ant-Man and a Wasp, The Meg, The Darkest Minds, Mission Impossible Fallout, Christopher Robin, The Equalizer 2, Searching, Happy Time Murders, Black Clansman, King of Thieves, A Simple Favour, Crazy Rich Asians, Night School, A Star is Born, First Man, Venom, Johnny English Strikes Again, Bad Times at the El Royale, Bohemian Rhapsody, Nutcracker and the Four Realms, Smallfoot, The Grinch, Widows, Crimes of Grindelwald, Nativity Rocks, Robin Hood, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Into the Spider-Verse, Elf, Grinch, Holmes and Watson, and Mary Poppins Returns. 
Mm-hmm. Very interesting. We're just going to have a quick flick through. Um, so I do remember coming out of the cinema at the start of January with my friends that we'd gone to watch The Greatest Showman for and sitting there and I came out of it and I went, is it too early to hit the golden buzzer for this film? Um, it's the 3rd of January, love. What the hell are you playing at? I was like, well, you've got to start somewhere, haven't you? And I'm like, you can't say that. It's the first film you've seen of the year. No film beat it that year. <laughs> no. I mean, looking back in hindsight, actually, something else has since, but, you know. Yeah, that started off the year quite well. And then, obviously, there was award season of Gary Oldman with the Darkest Hour and Francis McDormand. Um, no one liked the film Downsizing. I was clearly the only person that did. It was also quite weird that Downsizing was number 10 on my hit list for the start of the year and actually ended up 10th on that list. So that's very much a, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Den of Thieves is the most interesting one out of all the ones that I've watched in total. I was never meant to see Den of Thieves. Um, Early Man got cancelled and I had a good old rant at Cindy World going like, well, I've done this and I'm booked up better. You can go see Den of Thieves. I'm like, but my film will clash with it. I'm like, mm, you can run. Like, So I went and saw that. It was very weird. It was a very weird film. I was probably really hacked off of it and did all of that. And then went straight to go see Maze Runner. Still don't understand The Shape of Water. Still don't get it. It's still a bit of a weird one to me. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, the Collective Crying at Call Me By Your Name. With everyone still sitting in the cinema being absolutely heartbroken. was just... Yeah, that hurt. You just saw everyone's shadow. It's a bit like when I went to sleep away all recently. It's just like, you just saw everyone like going, I'm not moving yet. No, 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 no. A Wrinkle in Time is the first rubbish um, Chris Pine film <laughs> for once. Um, I know that since he has made another one, but unless we talk about one of them in 1984, the better. Isle of Dogs got me on with being on Popcorn for one day. Happy days. That was good. Um, the Rock using... Um, sign language to the monkey going it's okay it's me and actually signing the rock was actually quite cool that was all right um there was a very weird summer of some indie films with patrick adrift and a happy place all coming out of in the same week that was a very weird one oh, are we gonna get a second big film that is the question that is a very big question that's going on. Mission Impossible Fallout. Just bang splat in the middle of it. The one that meant that I'd seen a film every week of the year. Bang splat in the middle of summer. What a movie that was. Um, Black Klansman. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, I mentioned this last week um, because I was talking about searching but um, uh, missing. Um, but searching is amazing. A Star is Born. I still haven't actually rewatched since. And I should do. Because the more I put it off, the more it's going to hurt. Um, because there's a song in that that I now link to someone who's since passed. It's just like, oh, God. Um, First Man's still really emotional. Um, the Grinch is funny. This was also a, there was a huge problem with my Odeon. Um, and they were shut for a while. And the number one pick of the year being Holmes and Watson and it just failing at the end of it all. That was such a letdown that I hadn't hit my own buzz. I'm like, no, I'm going to hold out. I'm going to hold out. It's going to wait. And, uh, and Spider-Man and Spider-Verse almost stealing it. But no, it was such a letdown. I really was the only person that enjoyed Robin Hood, wasn't I? That's such a shame. I feel so sorry for the rest of you that you didn't get that. And more importantly, 2018 was the year. I met 
Dave York and Pedro Pascal. But we will save that for another episode because, you know, that will happen at that point. That floor and that phone. That's all I'm going to say. We will get through it one day. So the top 10 films for me in 2018 were at 10, Downsizing, 9, Into the Spider-Verse, 8, Call Me By Your Name, 7, Searching, 6, Mission Impossible Fallout, 5, Star Is Born, 4, A Quiet Place, which I'm still really hacked off at, but I went to the cinema and we were doing DIY next door and it made a load of noise and didn't add to the suspense and the drama. 3, Isle of Dogs, 2, Infinity War, and number 1 was The Greatest Show. I didn't actually plan on doing all of 2018 today, but that's the case. We'll probably do 2019 or a different year in a few months' time and go through what that is. But, yeah, it's interesting. I love this book. I've got this brilliant old book. Well, it's not old. Um, with all my film reviews in. Rather than it. You can hear all this. Hear all the pages. You might not be able to pick that up. But, yeah, my sister made me that, and it's so cool, and I love it. It smells of popcorn. So yeah, that's what happened in the year twenty eighteen for me. We'll we'll see how well this goes down. Um, and when I listen back to it and be like, I'm gonna no, we're doing that differently next time. Definitely, we're not doing it like that. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting chat about films of the past. If recent films of the past, just be like, yeah, good old films, happy days. Get out of the cinemas, people. Makes your life so much better. Time to look at what you've watched in the last week. Yeah, it's weird it's only for a week, but, you know, it's all be done quite quickly, I'm guessing, right? So let's look at your home viewing uh, number one. New entry. First time that's happened in a little while. The Vogue Dolls, Matilda, musical. Well done, Tim. Very well done. Very happy with that. Good man. <sighs> yeah, it deserves that. Two was Black Adam. Three was Top Gun Maverick. It's now spent half a year in that chart, so it's almost been everywhere for a whole year now. It's a bit scary, that. The cruise is uncontrollable. Uh, four is Whitney, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Five was a big drop for Banshees from number one. Six was Dominion. Seven was The Woman King. Elvis was at eight. Bullet Train was at nine. And Fantastic Beast Secrets of Dumbledore leapt up to ten. I'm guessing that's because it was half-term and people... We're getting it for their kids. Strange World um, was a new entry at 14. Everyone's been watching it on Disney Plus, obviously. Crawdad's re entered at 16. But other than that, it's more Harry Potter films coming back into the chart because obviously it's been half term and kids want to watch Harry Potter because why not? Oh, and Shrek. And Shrek 2. Good on it. Which makes sense because at the box office in the last week, Puss in Boots stayed at number one. Three. Point zero six six million. Good on it. Magic Mike and his last dance took 1.52 at 2. The re-release of Titanic took 870,000 at 3. Avatar took 830,000 at 4. Knock Up Cabin took 537 at 5. The Whale took 378 at 6. Plane took 355 at 7. Pathan, if I've mispronounced that, I'm so sorry, took 282 at 8. Epic Tales took 259 at 9, and The Fablemans took 241 at 10. Yeah. That explains why Shrek was leaping up the chart, definitely. 
that is very interesting to see. Um, Puss in Boots did have quite big dramatic drops. So did Avatar as well, uh, finally. <laughs> I mean, Avatar's taken so much money, it's ridiculous. Avatar has taken, what, 74 million at the UK box office, which is pretty darn good. Um, looking at the overall totals of what everything's taken at the overall box office, and Matilda the Musical to 20, has taken 27 million. It's number 11 there, so it's number 11 in that chart, and it's number one in the home box office chart which is yeah it's pretty good so uh, yeah you've been watching matilda you're still watching top gun maverick you're watching black adam you're watching shrek adults are watching magic mike and the kids are also watching puss and boots see i knew that wasn't going to take that long this is why this episode suddenly got stuff all over the place in it and those are things that i suddenly thought oh i should do that for once so yeah it is time to talk for 76th British Academy Film Awards. Or as you all know it, Sunday's BAFTAs, yes. First of all, thank you BAFTA, no skits. Oh, that was so nice. Considering all award shows have got to be comedy and they've got to have this and whatever, it was nice that it started with something funny and then we actually had... Okay, it was a bit weird at times, but we actually had someone asking actual actors about what they thought about certain things and what was going on. So that was that was nice. Richard E. Grant was the super glue of the entire thing, um, while other speeches and introductions were going on that was a bit weird. Um, Richard did a professional, really good job of it, and I'm glad he did. Um, also, it's quite nice that he got emotional. Um, that was because we've all obviously seen him on Twitter and Instagram and his family and everything that's been going on. That was rather nice to see. And that was, yeah, makes you remember they're human. Celebrities are human. You have to remember that at the end of the day, aren't they? They sit here and they have a bad day or feel a bit emotional like you all do as well. So that was nice. Um, the red carpet with Ali and Vic was pretty cool. Um, Alison Hammond's chatting bit, that was nice. Um, the bit about the Queen was a little bit like, oh, okay. Because, hmm. in all honesty, I was like, why are we suddenly having a tribute now? It was also weird that the fellowship happened in the middle of the show. I understand that they wanted to do the big four main awards um, live so that it didn't um, cross over and didn't go all over the place, if that makes sense. But it did then make you feel a bit like, oh, okay. It was also nice that when they did the awards presented earlier, it was in the middle of the show. So that was pretty cool. I, normally, BAFTAs will finish and then they'll go sort of 10 minutes and go like, this is what you missed. Whereas they didn't actually miss that many because they were trying to catch up with time. Some of the editing was a bit all over the place at points, but overall, we didn't have to have someone do a kiss cam with Brad Pitt or... Um, sell something to someone or give people cookies or go out and meet people. We had an opening skit and then after that we had a bit of singing at points but it was mainly to talk about the year of film and those that we'd lost. So it makes sense. It really did. <sighs> but you're not here for that. Um, I'm not predicting the BAFTAs. I will predict the Oscars when we get to that point. That is a promise. You're here to find out who won everything. So we're going to run through it. Rising Star Award, uh, one voted for by the public, went to Emma Mackey. Understandable. Get that. Makes sense. British Sort went to An Irish Goodbye. Best British Short Animation went to The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse. 
Outstanding debut went to Charlotte Wells for After Sun, which we all expected. Outstanding British and Irish film went to the Banshees. Yep, expected that. Visual effects went to Avatar. Sound went to All Quiet on the Western Front. Babylon received Best Production Design. Best Original Score went to All Quiet on the Western Front. Elvis won Hair and Makeup. Everything Everywhere All at Once won Best Editing. Elvis won Best Costume. Cinematography went to All Quiet on the Western Front. Best Casting. Why the Oscars don't award this, I have no idea. Goes to Elvis. Best Film Not in a... English language, All Quiet on the Western Front. Best documentary went to Navalny. Best animation went to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Best adapted screenplay went to All Quiet on the Western Front. Best original screenplay went to The Banshees. Best supporting actress, which apparently wasn't read on air. They read the wrong name out and then they had to go back and do it again, which is why it was edited all over the place. Um... Initially, they said it was going to be Kerry Mulligan, but it actually went to Kerry Condon for The Banshees. Good on her. She had a pretty emotional speech. That was quite nice. Uh, Best Supporting Actor went to Barry Keogh for The Banshees. That was a nice speech as well. Um, Ki Hyun um, which everyone was expecting to win, was a bit like, oh, oh, okay. Mm, that was a bit weird, but that was the case and that he didn't win. But I'm pretty sure he will still win the Oscar. Um, much like the BAFTAs do go a bit left field sometimes, especially with the supporting things to award a film that they know isn't actually going to win overall. Um, but considering that Banshee's also got the screenplay thing, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is it. This is Colin's moment. He's going to win in a bit. So it was interesting to see what they both got the supporting roles for that film. Best actress went to Kate Blanchett for Tar. Completely deserved. Love the fact they used the clip of her pushing the guy over. I thought that was brilliant. Um, I can understand that Michelle Year Michelle Year did look a little bit like, oh, oh I'm here and you know. But nah, she did no, nah, she deserved it. It's between the two for the Oscar, it is probably gonna go to Kate Blanchett, but that's the case. Leading actor went to Austin Butler for Elvis. Um if you go through my phone and you type in what the from the last twenty four hours, I'm recording this on Monday night. Um it will be followed by the line, oh, Austin Butler is a good actor and he is a good Elvis. However, considering what he was up against in that category with Colin and Brendan, nah, both of them looked really like, I'm sorry, what, after? It was the most left-field thing at that point that had happened that night. It was like, hmm. Yeah, that's killed Colin's Oscar win because I think that Colin should have won the BAFTA. He won't win the Oscar, it will go to Brendan. And it's also, we're going back to the whole biopic playing as a famous person and getting it for the impression thing and not actually getting it for the part. Because, you know, he's still speaking in that voice in some respect, hasn't he? It's like, okay, fair enough. Um, but he, I'm not saying that Austin Butler was not good in Elvis. Austin Butler was amazing in Elvis, but... Was he Colin Farrell? Was he Brenna Fraser? And was he Bill Nye? Bill Nye was my outside bet on winning if they were going to go left field. And when they announced it, it was Austin Butler. I was like, I'm sorry, not even Bill Nye? What the heck? But <sighs> um, after Fellowship was back and that went to Sandy Powell. She's the first costume designer to ever win it. She looked fabulous and her speech was amazing and I loved her. 
Best director went to Edward Berger for All Quiet on the Western Front. Was fully expecting that to go to the Daniels for everything ever all at once, just because of the randomness of it and what they do. So was expecting that. And then it also won Best Picture. Hmm. I mean, it is high on... It, this is the thing. Everything else on the list for the BAFTAs for Best Picture, I have watched. I have watched Banshees, I've watched Elvis, I've watched everything ever all at once, and I've watched Tar. So... All Quiet on the Western Front is on my watch list. Um, it will probably be at some point on Sunday or Saturday this week, depending on when I get to the cinema to do a few things. But that was interesting. The room kind of applauded it. Went, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, that one. Okay. So that was what won. Um, all Quiet on the Western Front did win the most award. It won seven in totals. So it was the Banshees and Elvis tied with um, it picked up half of its wins, which is pretty darn good. We're not talking a Harry Styles clean sweep like we are, but that's the case. So, yeah, that is what happened at the BAFTAs. Um, obviously, we've now got a bit of a break. We've got a three-week gap before the Oscars happen, so that will be very interesting to see how that goes down and what happens there. Um, I will predict that... Um, in that episode as well so then you can hear what goes on at the BAFTA the Oscars um which happen on the 12th and then I will record that on the 13th once I've watched it because that's not fair on the rest of you (sighs) yeah we go left field it makes sense but sometimes we go a little bit too left field so it will be interesting to see how this shapes up the Oscar race definitely that was a BAFTA's Time for this week's big review. Now, if you'd have said to me when I recorded the last episode that this episode's big review wouldn't be a film on my hit list um, and it definitely wouldn't be Magic Mike, I would have been like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And then the fact that it's not Ant-Man as well, it's saying a lot, because both made my hit list, but neither of them are. Instead, I'm here to talk to you about The Sun. I have no idea when this film actually comes out for the rest of you. I know that if you're in America or Canada, you've probably already seen it. Um, but it's an awards bait film which hasn't actually picked up many nominations anywhere. Um, which is understandable. Um, but it is still beautiful. Um, it's a father-son relationship um, to do with um how parents and kids don't always see eye to eye but also the kid um is is in death is in need of some help is nurturing to understand but he does understand and quite often that relationship in a film is a mother and a son or mother and a daughter it's very rare that it's a son and a father and the father's played by Hugh Jackman and his ex-wife is Laura Dern and his current wife is Vanessa Kirby. And it's how all their different dynamics change and how it's dealt with. And Hugh Jackman's dad is played by Anthony Hopkins. And it's interesting to see how people are, like how they are and how certain things happen. And I pretty early on worked out what was going to happen at the end of it. And so when it did happen, it wasn't a shock. I like the way that they dealt with the mental health 
at points. Um, it's very good to admit that sometimes being mental health care and support doesn't actually help and it hinders. And that it's got to be that person's choice to actually do it. And that sometimes a cry for help isn't a cry for help. It is actually, no, this is what's going on. You can't stop this. This is who I am. And because of this, that's the case. Um, and I watched it and I was watching some very good acting and it was very good. It did have some of the traditional cliches that these films do have, but it then actually decided mm, to go past that, which was quite nice. And I thought the film was going to end at a certain point. And then it kept going and I sat back and I was like, okay, fine what's gonna happen and we have this extra scene and at the end of this extra scene which I was sitting there busy going do we need uh, it would have actually been and then something happened and Hugh Jackman as the strong stable male father figure in this film who'd been all this and all that and da, 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 um falls apart and it's nice to actually see that from a man happen and for him not to be secure in himself and feel that he's a failure, especially as a father, because you always, you know, you sit there and you watch these father figures in films and dads being like, oh, I'm strong, I can do this for my kids and we got to be this and we got to be that. And he has this horrendous emotional breakdown. And it hurts. It hurts so much and I cried I cried at the end <laughs> um because it did it really did hurt and you just sit there going why am I watching I'm putting myself through this oh my god it was it wasn't quite the whale with everyone shuddering um but it was pretty darn close everyone sat there for a little while going whoa, after that moment, because it was strong and it was painful, but it was needed, and not enough of that is shown. Um, as much as I keep saying in these podcasts, we're not going to discuss The Last of Us until we get to the end of it. When you watch Pedro in The Last of Us, and he's woken up, or he's thinking about something to do with Sarah, or something else, that's going on and you see that look in his eye and you just know that he's got to let it out at some point and at some point he will and it will we'll all sit here and we'll all be emotionally ruined and heartbroken by it um but that doesn't happen enough on tv and film um the male character will cry because of her own downfall and not because of the love for someone else or a mental health issue or it's not accepted and they never actually really address that they could be part of the problem or that they can't actually have help because they've gone past that point. That is so powerful and it's one of the reasons I'm a huge advocate for everyone to say that it's okay not to be okay because it is. And... As much as I sit here and go, I'm here to listen to you and help and my DMs are always open for whatever, you can come and talk to me. Even if even if you're having a bad time and you just want someone to distract you with funny cat memes, I'm the person for it because I will do that for you and then I'll stop when I know that actually know if you're fine now. But it's important 
to try and have someone like that in your life because we all need something like that. We all need someone to go, no, this is fine. You can talk about this. We can do that. And just let it out and breathe. Let it out and just let it, let it go. And it was so nice. That big, huge, strong action man, Hugh Jackman, just went for it and just broke everyone's hearts. So I'm not sure when you get the sun. It is a very hard watch, but it is very emotional, very thought-provoking, and there's there's a bit with some dancing, which is quite nice. Um, but it is an important watch. I can see why it's not been nominated for awards because, let's be honest, this award season is crazy. Um, I've saying this before. I've watched Baftas. Um, but. There's so much going on in award season that it was obvious that a few things were going to be overlooked and this is obviously one of them that has been. And, <sighs> yeah. No, I get it. I, I completely understand why this is the case and what's going on. Um, But it's brilliant. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it in a heartbreakingly beautiful way, if that makes sense. So yeah, that's the sun. Um, I think it comes out maybe this weekend. If not, it's a weekend afterwards. I know that Ant-Man is saturated in the market at the moment, but it's well worth a watch. And I think if you're in the correct state of mind when you watch it, you will have a beautiful and heartbreaking experience when you do. Yeah, that was a big review of The Sun. That is that for this fortnight's episode thank you all so much for listening to the BAFTA special it's been fun it's been an awful lot of fun ah <sighs> yeah um we're back to fortnightly the next episode will be the 8th of march because on the 15th we're going back to the weekly to do the oscars so that will be what happens then um but until then you know where to find me it is popcorn underscore four underscore one on twitter instagram and letterbox and it's popcorn for one.co.uk for the actual blog which obviously is getting postings now on whoop de doo it's so nice to type ah but until then besties look after yourself be good to those that are around you and the rest will take care of itself And I'll see you on the 8th of March when TV will be taking over film because I'll have Joel, I'll have Din and I'll have Drive to Survive and that's gonna... I'm gonna live my best life but I'm also gonna die and try and fit film in and try and type up and do other stuff, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna be busy. Look after yourself, besties. Love you. Thanks for listening. Bye.